Hello, everybody. This is Vines to Wines, the first episode. I'm your host, Max Van Arnhem. This is a podcast where we talk about the wide, wonderful world of wine. So if that interests you, then stay tuned. So back in 2007, my parents, Kent and Allison Van Arnhem, began their winemaking journey by planting their first grapes on a little plot of land in Zilla, Washington, that's in the Yakima Valley in Washington State. And now, in 2021, they're still making wine. It's just getting better and better. They're expanding their array of uh, varietals that they offer now, and you can get everything from a Merlot and a Tempranillo all the way to a Chardonnay, a Rosé. I mean, they've got a red blend that's won some awards. It's, It's really been awesome to watch this whole process. And through getting involved in the family business from a young age, I've gotten a chance to really appreciate the craft that is winemaking. I've learned that there's so much that I don't know about wine, and that's really the goal of this podcast. It's to take you, the listener, on a journey with me as I learn more about the craft of winemaking. So I'm going to be interviewing people that are experts on the history of wine in the Washington wine country in the Yakima Valley region, all the way to uh, winemakers working in wineries right now and... uh, you know, everything in between. So we're really going to learn about different varietals, uh, different winemaking techniques and processes. We're going to talk about technical things, you know, what is a tannin? What, you know, we're going to talk about historical and cultural things. You know, what's, what's the history of winemaking in the Washington wine country and where is it, where is it heading now? So if you ever asked yourself these questions or even, you know, is it Malbec or Malbec, (laughs) things like that, then this is the podcast for you. And for this first episode, I'm going to share a conversation that I had with the winemaker at Van Arnhem Vineyards. His name is Brandon Seymour, and in this first episode, we talk about Malbec. So please enjoy. All right. So hello, everybody. It's May 4th. I'm joined today by Brandon Seymour. Brandon, thanks for coming in. Thank you. So let's first uh, introduce a little bit about you and what you do here. Maybe you can share what your role is at Van Arnhem Vineyards. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I'm primarily the winemaker, so I everything that involves the the uh, getting the the wine into the bottle and you know the wine existing from a grape that is my responsibility. And that's so, pretty all encompassing. It is. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you know it, it's more than that. It goes out into the vineyard as well. I uh, take a lot of I try to take a lot of responsibility out there. Um, because I'm just really big on quality. So I really want, you know, everything down to the amount of shoots coming out of every single, Mm -hmm. uh, spur that comes off of every cordon to be, uh, limited just for that quality Mm -hmm. standard. Yeah. I've seen you do quite a few jobs around here. That's for sure. Uh, we're somewhat small to middle sized winery, so you definitely have to wear a lot of hats. Yep. We're going to talk about Malbec. And the first question is, is it Malbec or Malbec? So potato, potato, (laughs) that's funny. You know, recently there's been a lot of people coming in that are putting an emphasis on Malbec where they're saying Malbec. (laughs) And and so again, it it just makes you question, am I saying it correctly? Is the dialect changing? Is the, uh, you know, is the way that people say things shifting based on, you know, the, the type of people that are influencing our, our younger generations? How do you use Malbec? I say Malbec. Okay. Yep. We'll say Malbec and Okay. If someone is mad, they can write in. <laughs> okay. um, so we were just talking about this a little bit uh, before we were recording, but where is Malbec, Malbec from? Because like uh, I was telling you earlier, 
I often think of Malbec associated with Argentina. Uh, that's where a lot of the Malbec seems to be growing. But you're telling me it's not from Argentina. It's not. And despite, you know, like you said, it has about 70% of the world's uh, Malbec grown there vineyard wise. Um, it's, it didn't originate from there. So it's said to have originated from, uh, from France, just as one of the noble vines of Bordeaux brought over mistakenly sort of thought that it was something else. And for decades it went unnoticed. And then eventually it sort of, you know, people started going back and forth and realizing, oh, this is not what we thought it was originally when we brought it over. And so, uh, you know, they kind of rode in on that legacy Mm -hmm. about Malbec. So Mm -hmm. Malbec. See, now I'm saying it weird. It's funny. We'll go back and forth. It's okay. Yeah. So it's from France, but uh, why is it that Argentina grows so much Malbec? It just, after it got over there, it's just got ingrained in their, uh, their, their history. And so it just became something that they they kept going with and you do one thing really well and sometimes there's no reason to branch out and do other things. I'm sure there's other varietals that would grow fantastically there and they could, you know, plant any number of different varietals and they would, you know, they do, they do have other varietals. They have Merlot and, and I'm sure that there's places that, you know, have Tempranillo that are, you know, it it just depends. So does Malbec grow best in a specific sort of climate? Or is it, and is it similar to other red wines? Malbec, uh, you know, it, it'll support a lot of different climates and that's going to have a, an impact on the, the resulting wine. So the impact on the, um, you know, the body and the alcohol percentage based on, you know, the sugars are dependent largely on the amount of growing degree days. So there's a lot that goes into it, but in short, um, you know, hotter, longer growing degree days are better for bigger reds. So Malbec is just on, on that spectrum. Cab, Malbec, Syrah, they all like uh, long growing degree day seasons. So essentially, um, you know, with our combination of the really rich volcanic soils, clay soils, really high in nutrients, um, we just have a really great impact with being able to present a, a beautiful Malbec to what we say is our legacy. You're talking about here in central Washington. Yeah. Um, has a great, uh, in the rattlesnake hills specifically, but also, I mean, red mountain, Kiona Benton, there's Mm -hmm. so many great areas that Mm -hmm. you're going to find really big reds out here. So, uh, how does Malbec traditionally, uh, quote unquote rank amongst most wines? I know for instance, a cab is a pretty standard wine that a lot of people look to. And, uh, Malbec. Uh, so I, I'm new to the wine game. I'm on the younger side, but uh, I hadn't heard of it as one of the first lists of wines. So how would you rank it in like the span of wines? Yeah. So that's a good question. Malbec is, uh, you know, was traditionally really meant to be a blending varietal. And uh, it was, you know, only later that they started making single varietal Malbecs. And that's just sort of how it came to be. It was a really dark, bold wine, but it also has a lot of dryness, a lot of tannins. Uh, so while that helps with aging and color and um, complexity, it also you know, is something that in large amounts could be slightly uh, offensive to some people who don't like the really big, bold wines. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same comparison as somebody who likes you know, really dark coffee and really, really light coffee mm-hmm. it's just it's the same thing it's gotcha. a light and dark game so i've read about a word called the flavor profile is that sort of what you're talking about 
So that has to do with uh, just the variety of phenolics that go into contributing to these different flavors. So the flavor profile could be made up of the, uh, you know, the nuances from the oak. So that's separate from the uh, mm. fermentation nuances. So you have things that are created during the fermentation process, during uh, reductive winemaking and different types of um, processes that happen that are natural during the winemaking process that influence that put out these different flavors. And that's sort of, uh, you know, what's controlling that. And then also what's uh, impacting that is what's happening out in the vineyard. So if you have a really intense year and you have a lot of vigor that just goes into, you know, an, uh, a limited amount of, of fruit, you're going to have a higher intensity fruit, assuming that things are being stressed. Um, but if you don't have a lot of energy and you have, you know, a bunch of clusters that it has to go into and there's just a bunch of water and there's a bunch of growth, it's not going mm -hmm. to have that flavor intensity. So you're not going to have as concentrated of those okay. compounds in there that are naturally occurring in the vineyard. A lot of stuff going on into the flavor of wine that most people, including me, don't think about. It's very complicated. How would you describe uh, the flavor profile specifically behind the Malbec? So Malbec has a, uh, a very fruity flavor profile. So, um, you know, depending on the oak that you're using for it. Mm -hmm. You can talk about our Malbec if you want. To okay. So for our for our Malbec, um, we I, I don't typically like a very heavily oaked Malbec with 100% new oak mm -hmm. because oak has a tendency to cover up um to, to, to overshadow things, I think is a better word for it. Um, mm -hmm. just because it is such, uh, an influence that it's having on the wine that sometimes you can mask those, uh, fruit, fruit forward flavors that, you know, are really appreciated in Malbec and other wines. Same thing, you know, with other, other wines, just mm -hmm. some wines are, are better held up against, uh, oaking and they just, they go have more of a, what's called an affinity, which Interesting. basically just means that they go, they, they like to go together a lot better. The flavors meld together better. It's right. like pairing anything. I mean, right. food, it's, there's things that taste better together. And then there's things that just don't complement each other. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, tell me about the yeast, because that's something that I haven't heard you mention yet, but it's also seems like something you have to choose with deliberation exactly. as you're making wine. So what, what yeast do you use? So it's kind of funny that that is such a, uh, a loaded question. Um, and the reason for that is because there's, there's so much diversity with, with the winemaking world. Um, you know, without naming people, there's people that have great success, uh, with using wild fermentation and they seem to get a really good response from the wine community mm -hmm. and people don't seem to care either way. You know, the people who are in the wine industry that we're concerned with, um, don't typically look at yeast as something that there is going to be a deal breaker for them on a bottle or something. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the benefit is you can get as free and expressive as you want with it. So as far as using wild yeast, you know, there's people who do it. I don't like to uh, use wild yeast because I find that it just is a much smoother fermentation for myself in the way that I have. So break it down, wild yeast versus what's the alternative? Versus using what's called Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is sugar-loving yeast. It's just a yeast that makes the least amount of 
uh, volatile acidity as a byproduct. All yeast are going to make VA, volatile acidity. Mm-hmm. Is that the industry standard pretty much? That That but is. Wild yeast is sort of a... Wild yeast is sort of one of those uh, postmodern winemaking, um, you know, sort of one of those uh, uh, unique styles that you don't really see the, a lot of the large wineries doing, I feel like. Um, I feel like the industry standard is to use Saccharomyces cerevisiae. It's the same thing with beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't speak on that because <laughs> I'm not super knowledgeable on beer. Yeah. Um, I just know that it's a it's the yeast that you use for beer, for wine, for bread. It makes the the least amount of uh, of off aromas, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some of those off aromas with those wild yeasts are more expressed with certain wild yeast more than others. So, you know depending on just, you know, what you've, uh, built up yeast wise over the years, mm-hmm. you know, that's also going to go into it. It's, it's a whole nother complication. And so the same yeast is applied to all wines at a specific winery usually, like they'll just pick one yeast and then that's what they that's, use. That is, uh, you know, the decision of the winery. So for me, uh, Allison and I like to choose yeasts based on sort of what, uh, you know, we can get our hands on. And then she looks to me to do the actual uh, testing of it and say, you know, what do you think this wine is best suited with based off of what we used re- previously? Did you like it? How did it work? And there's certain yeasts that just behave significantly differently. There's And they're still all the same Saccharomyces cerevisiae. They're just different strains of this Saccharomyces cerevisiae. And, uh, you know, what's funny about it is that there's just certain wines that um, you know, like cab, I like to do a really long, low and slow fermentation because it's it's a varietal that people expect a lot of boldness from. So it's something that um, I like to take my time on and extract as much of the color and flavor out of it as I can. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we've talked about yeast, we've talked about flavor profiles and a bunch of uh, technical stuff, but there's one more uh, topic and that is acidity. So maybe you could break down uh, just why is it important to look at acidity in a wine and where's Malbec on that spectrum? So that's a good question. And that's sort of also brings us back to the climate here. So we have really cold nights and uh, what those cold nights do is that they, uh, they allow the acidity in the wine in the grapes at that point to retain. Uh, so you're not losing acidity over a certain temperature, uh, you know, the, the grapes are progressing, they're maturing and ripening, and you're going to be, uh, you know, losing acids as that goes on. So there's crucial acids that you really want mm-hmm. during that time period. And so it, um, you know, you want the, the grape to be fully ripe, you want it to be 24, 25 bricks, but also you want that acidity to be still bright enough acidity to actually, you know, have a, a really healthy aging and fermentation the thing about the acidity is that you're you're directly going off of the acidity for sulfites in a lot of cases. So, um, you know, that's going to either, you know, make or break the longevity of your wine. So it can really um, exponentially destroy your wine by having to add in, you know, this, this amount more of sulfites because your acidity isn't high enough to protect the wine on its own. So in climates where you don't get as big of a temperature shift, you don't get as cold of nights, you don't get that same desired acidity level. You get a lot lower acidity levels, which just mean that the wines are less intense and less flavorful. Well, yeah, wine country has a specific sort of climate when you think about it. So there's a reason for that. Well, the one thing I'm curious about is I know um, 
this is a little bit of a tangent, but there is a varietal of wine that's commonly grown in Oregon, is that Pinot Noir? And that, not in the section of Oregon where you'd think, it's, isn't it uh, kind of in a more uh, temperate climate where you don't get... Yep, it's in the Willamette Valley. Right. And that's... So how, do, how is that making good wine? Or it's okay if, you, if this is just too much of a tangent, no, but no. it's kind of a thought um, I just had. So the, you know, the thought behind that is that every varietal has its range of preferred growing degree days. Right. Pinot Noir is a lot lighter on that spectrum as, as far as uh, you know, boldness, intensity, and tannins and anthocyanids, which are the color compounds, okay. which are sort of binding together with binding forces with the tannins to provide body and also longevity to the wine, you know, basically helping each other. Okay. And so, you know, with Pinot Noirs, uh, they're okay in a little bit cooler climate. They don't need as long of growing degree day seasons and they can, they can put up with a little bit longer than, you know, what some, some other, uh, whites would be able to put up with as far as growing degree days. So, it's nice in an area like Oregon, which is still, you know, you know, it's, it's a lot cooler down there, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, if it, if it stretched up towards Washington a little bit, the varietal wise, it's still going to survive and there's going to be a range of different flavors of Pinot. So that's kind of why I love Pinot Noir. Um, you know, I don't get to see a lot of it up here because it is really, really hot up here. And so it's just one of those things that you see a lot of the, the bolder, uh, noble vines of Bordeaux. So Cab, Malbec, Merlot. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, bringing it back to the topic that I was intending to stick on before I got you on that tangent, uh, Malbec, talk about the, uh, you're talking about affinity, which is how well tastes work together and things like that. And you're talking about barrels, but how do you decide which barrels to use with the Malbec? And you might've already mentioned this, but basically what have, what do we do here at Van Arnhem Vineyards with the barrels and the Malbec? So we uh, don't do 100% new oak. And the reason for that is because Malbec being a fruitier varietal, um, it it speaks volumes on its own in terms of its uniqueness. And uh, I absolutely love the fruit in Malbec. So that's something that I always try to accentuate in the wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that goes, it, it, gets, it gets some new oak. And then the oak, you know, the new oak is blended throughout the uh the more neutral oaks and depending on you know where i would want you know the the quality there you know that's decided you know at a different point that's decided you know per barrel how long is it aged the malbec here so 24 months is the is the minimum for basically all of our wines Mm -hmm. um and so is that all in the barrel that is uh it's all in, that's all barrel aged. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the wines, you know, as we are going farther and farther into this, we find ourselves, you know, uh, bottling wine younger and younger. So, you know, for example, um, we'll be talking about this in another podcast, but we originally only bottled our Tempranillo mm-hmm. because we just, uh, you know, it had had all hundred percent new Oak. So it was, definitely oaky and people were were kept they kept asking about it so we just Hmm, we gave the people what they wanted and it turned out to be a beautiful wine so there's no regrets there and uh Mm -hmm. but so the standard you see changes a little bit uh depending on the situation it just um but generally speaking we we like to allow two years of oak aging just to uh, right really bring forward the quality of those wines yeah, something that as a consumer and especially a consumer on the younger market like me, uh, something that we look at a lot 
is just what is the alcohol content in this wine? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are not that they're uh, they haven't dove into the wine world yet, and uh, I've noticed that there is a range. And how do you get that range? And where's Malbec on the range? So it's alcohol is always a relation to sugar. So the higher the alcohol or the higher the sugar, the higher the alcohol. Generally speaking, so. Um, you know, and that's assuming that, you know, it's fermenting fully down to zero. I mean, so what I mean by that is if you have a sweet wine that was at, you know, 23 bricks and it's a white wine and you make this wine and it still has three, three bricks in it at the end of it, um, you know, it does not going to have more alcohol than a red that fermented all the way to zero because it had more of that conversion of al- of sugar to alcohol. So that's where, mm-hmm. um, you know, the reds out here are always going to be on the, on the medium hot side. So you're going to be having anywhere from, um, you know, 13, five up to, uh, 14, five to 15 in some places. Depending. 15 really. Yeah. It's not uncommon out here to see mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, whenever I bring my friends over, they always love them all back and I can't tell if it's just a placebo thing because it's this varietal they haven't heard of and then it's good and they're oh this is amazing or if it actually is the best but either way it's always the one they take home with them and which is sort of interesting i think that that's because i've always thought that it's because of the fruitiness of malbec it makes it less savory and so people when they drink it they can you know it's more something that is like a really interesting thing. I mean, there's a lot of floral notes in Malbec, I feel as well. What's a floral note? Sort of like, uh, you know, like you, you smell it you as you're drinking it and you're breathing out through your nose. You're, it's almost like you're smelling a rose or you're smelling a really sweet flower okay. or lilacs or something. It's interesting. It definitely has a lot more to offer right. uh, than your Coors Light. <laughs> uh, we're going to finish this up. Maybe you can just say... Where is Malbec at Van Arnhem Vineyards available for purchasing? So, I mean, you can always get on our site and get it, vanarnhemvineyards.com, or come into the winery. There's also a ton of Malbec out here. So if you ever uh, are in the Rattlesnake Hills or out in Yakima Valley AVA, you're going to find a lot of Malbec out here. It's uh, it's pretty universally mm-hmm. uh, liked out here, so you can't really steer wrong when you come out here. But we would absolutely love to see you out here. Yeah, uh, Malbec is found on our website, but uh, like Brandon just said, if you really want the full experience, you can come out to Van Arnhem Vineyards. It's in Zilla, Washington. You can look at our website for our address, and uh, you can look at how we make the Malbec, and you can uh, meet Brandon and maybe me if I'm over here. Uh, but yeah, I, we're going to wrap that up. Thanks for coming in, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are going to be recording more with Brandon on uh, more wine varietals, so stay tuned.